Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome, new listeners, to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I have been doing this podcast since April of 2013, and I have always been a podcast fanatic. I love listening to podcasts. I love hearing people talk about their lives. And the reason I started this podcast was at the time I was on a TV show called Chelsea Lately, where I was appearing nightly, making jokes about celebrities. And then people could also see me on Drunk History, where I was getting wasted talking about history. And nobody really seemed to know who I was. Did they think people thought I was drunk like that all the time? Or they thought, oh, Jen only cares about Lindsay Lohan. And I felt like, you know what? I really want people to know who I am. And unfortunately, when I was on the road a lot, people would be at my shows screaming out, let's get drunk or whatever. And I thought, oh, they don't really know me. I'm not that fun. And so as a joke, I said, I'm going to do a podcast called I Seem Fun, meaning, but I'm not. And then I called it the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast because it was supposed to be a once a week and it still is solo podcast where I talk about what went on with me during the week, whether it's serious or silly you know, kind of curmudgeon complaining, whether it's something going on in the world, something political. I've cried on this podcast. I've taken you guys deep into my life, breakups and get back togethers and family stuff. It's just like your friend talking to you who's rude and doesn't let you get a word in edgewise. And it's off the top of my head every week. I prepare briefly the topics I want to talk about, but that's it. It's just a fun free for all where you can just see the real me. And, uh, I hope you enjoy it. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Google Play. You can listen on Stitcher. You can listen on SoundCloud. And uh, I'll give you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen 
Cockman. See, I can't even advertise my own fucking show. What makes I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast funny, is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action lawsuit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. That is from the Onion AV Club. So if you're curious, well, I guess you can start with this episode and go through the backlog. If you want to stay, here comes the podcast. You're about to get on the ride. I see I seem fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. How are you doing? This is episode 236, 236. Today's sponsors are Quip, Toothbrush, Talkspace, and our new sponsor, Suave Shampoo. We'll be talking about all of those fine sponsors later. This is uh, my podcast. If you're a fan, go to iTunes, write a review, give it five stars and subscribe. I don't know. I always say like, write something jokey, like go fuck yourself. You can write that. But if you want to write something sincere, I am compiling them and uh, I I use them for things. Uh, promotion. Well, who cares? Um, follow me or the podcast at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter, the Facebook fan page. Yep. I'm still on Facebook. I know it's owned by Russia. Facebook.com slash I Seem Fun fun podcast. And, or you can go to the website and check out, uh, past recent shows and all the descriptions of them, jenkargman.com slash podcasts. And of course, all the back episodes exist on SoundCloud. We are on Spotify. If you go to the Twitter page, um, or the Facebook page, uh, of my podcast, you will see that Spotify sent me a cool little gif that shows you how you can get the podcast on Spotify. Because I'm too dumb to know how. And I am part of the All Things Comedy Network. So go to allthingscomedy.com. What am I going to talk about today? I've got a lot of... So I am recording from Brooklyn. So yeah, I don't even know if I have thoughts in my head. Um, I really fucking don't. But I have a lot of requests of topics from you guys. And so I thought, well, maybe maybe that's something. Um I have been taking singing lessons and it's the biggest joy of my life. Shout out to my teacher, Jeff. I don't know if he's listening. I know he's listened to my episode about voice therapy. Maybe he, maybe he sought that out, but it's so, first of all, I went to start taking them because I feel as though there's vocal cord warmups that you do as a person on earth, breath control, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And then there's vocal cord warmups that you do when singing scales, but certain there's all different aspects of it. And I just had this gut feeling that these weird vocal coaches I'm going to are just making me crazy. And like, just being like, your neck is stiff, your neck is stiff, loosen it. And it's like, there's so much to think about while I'm talking and I'm talking like this. And it's like, it's just not sustainable. And there's I just, I can't take it, but the, the way I'm warming up in singing lessons and then the homework I have is really, it's strengthening my vocal cords and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And I'm singing show tunes. I'm singing all that jazz. I mean, I'm not, listen, 
I think I'm terrible and that my teacher must be like, why, why am I doing this? Like, I feel like Floster Florence Jenkins or the fuck that is Florence Foster Jenkins. Who's, did you see that movie? It's actually kind of a cool story. I feel like the movie it's, you know, when you're like, this is a great idea for a movie and everyone's acting is really good, but there's no like, it's a movie with Meryl Streep and Hugh Grant and she was this aristocratic rich woman in New York who just loved the arts, but she really wanted to be a singer herself. And she took singing lessons and she, I think, rented out Carnegie Hall or something and sang. But it was also like she did it for the soldiers coming back from World War II. But it was sort of one of those things where it was like, don't laugh at her, don't laugh at her. She really means this. And Hugh Grant was like her husband, but caretaker. And she had syphilis and that's why they didn't sleep together. But it was, it's a very interesting movie because it's a true story, but in terms of like, what's going to happen next? It's like, I wasn't that in suspense about how's the concert going to go? Like you can, you know, she's not going to magically be a good singer, but you also know, like, it'll probably be a little bit of everything like awful, but she always wanted to do it and whatever. Um, good story. You can hear recaps of movies on my new podcast called, I don't really remember the whole thing. I enjoyed it, but whatever. Anyway, that's what I feel like. I'm like in New York City in this rehearsal studio and I'm paying for a singing lesson. I'm like, I don't sing. I'm going to sing on the podcast, but I don't. But then I'm like, well, maybe I'll use it for something. Maybe I will have a show where I'll sing. My dream, This is, I'm not even joking. When people are like, oh my God, I want to be you when I grow up. I want to do comedy. I'm like, okay, well, I wish I could give it to you because I'm ready to stop. Like all I want is to sing standards at the Carlisle Hotel in New York City. Like like Linda Lavin does it. I just want to be like, hey everyone, thanks for coming. And I'm in my sparkly dress. I'm not, I'm not kidding. This isn't exaggerating or like, haha. Literally, if someone said, you have a fan base following, you sing jazz standards at the Carlisle, but you can't do stand-up for two years. I go, 100% fine. And I would just stand there singing, you know, people's glasses are clinking in the background. And I'm just like, come on, babe, why don't we paint the town? Hi, Billy. He's my piano player. And all that jazz, you know, that was off key. And all that jazz, I'm gonna rouge my knees and roll my stockings down. Come on in, everybody. And all that jazz, start the car. I just want that so bad. Um, so that's my goal. Literally all I want is that. And then to have my own line of purses because there's no purse that is perfect for me because I have one in my head and I'm like, someone needs to make this, but I'm not going to say what it is. And my own line of jewelry. That's all I want. I have my necklace line. It was only for four months. I'm trying to find another corporate partner, but it's hard to do when you're not a fashion designer. You know, they, they can't be like, Oh, cause I didn't have amazing sales at bobble bar and I didn't, because they wouldn't advertise me because I think they got ashamed of me halfway through. Um, so anyway, it's like, I ju- that's what I want to do. But it's like, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in the trap that I built for myself of doing comedy. And I love comedy, but seriously, I also want to do those things. I mean, I've been doing comedy 22 years. Am I not allowed to have a second act? This podcast I would always do because I fucking love this podcast. Oh my God, Jen. Great story. Um, let's just get to it. So last week I read an article about 
love your friend, but hate their social media presence or anyone in your life. And I asked you guys to write me if you know what, if you experience that. So I got one from a listener. Um, Jen, I found parts of the social media article so relatable. The father of my toddler nieces, what? My sister's ex, the father of my, okay. So the nieces are toddlers, your niece's father, your brother-in-law, you could say my ex-brother-in-law, just saying, is nonstop posting about the girls. He'll post pictures of them at the park, at their dance recitals, their ball games, and videos of them dancing to Beyonce, to name a few. He will post long tributes on Facebook about my sister and how great of a mother she is and how he is on earth for his kids. But that's so far from the truth. His family sees the Facebook posts and they think he is dad of the year, but we know the truth. He never takes the girls by himself. My sister works night shift and instead of them staying with their dad, they go to my parents and sleep over. My dad is the one who signed them up for sports and dance. My sister is the one who gets them ready for school. And the rest of my family is making sure they have rides or being taken care of and just generally loved. On Christmas morning, my sister ran around the house trying to get their toys cleaned up, make sure their dresses are ready, getting them breakfast and styling their hair. It's thick and kinky and curly, so it takes a village. And he just sat on the couch the entire time and then whisper yelled, which I always find almost worse than real yelling, into her ear that she's a bad mom and should have had the girls ready and now they're going to be late. <gasps> Ew! This happens every single time they have they have somewhere to be. Sure, my sister could be more organized, but he does nothing to help. It's so hard to see him post these things on social media, knowing how mean he is to my sister and how uninvolved he really is in his kids' lives. Thankfully, my sister was able to move out and get her own place, which is great, but he's still present enough that he can be verbally abusive to her. One day, I'm going to snap and put the truth out there, but I just keep thinking about my nieces and how unfair that is to them. Social media is not real life. Wow, that was darker than I thought it was going to be. Sometimes I don't read the emails um, in advance. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just read the first sentence that said, Jen, that article was so relatable. And I'm like, well, this sounds good. And now I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe not. Um, but here's the thing. Why do you follow him? Like, why, why do you need to follow your sister's ex-husband? I mean, because you, you already know what the kids are doing, you know? I don't know. I think it's strange. I think it's strange. Um, but, you know, you never know. I just don't understand the Facebook thing at all. Like, it's there's so many people on it, guys, breaking news, that it's a really good place to post information about my gigs or whatever. But I just have a fake, like, shell page with a fake name and a picture of B. Arthur. And that is just to have that open. And there's no information about me on it so that I can have the comedian fan page. But I don't understand. Like when Facebook first started, I was like, oh, it's a great way to like keep in touch with people that I wouldn't talk on the phone with or email with. And then I'm like, but if I'm not talking on the phone with them or emailing them, I guess I really don't care about their life that much. And I don't want to scroll through their things. And I don't want them to see mine because I inevitably, and I guess it's different because I'm a performer. So like I'll post me on the road. It's like, your life seems so fun. I have kids. And it's like, no, and there's no convincing people that traveling alone, you know, 30 weeks out of the year is fun. You know, it's just like, oh, forget it. Like I'm, I just can't deal or just the most passive aggressive thing you can say to someone. It's like, I wish you more continued success. It's like, who said I have success? Like you just didn't even ask me how I'm doing. You know, I just can't take it. So I don't understand why anyone wants to be. All I hear from people on it is complaints. But um, 
my favorite thing, I have a friend who has a friend who posts things like, like this friend is sort of semi-famous and he posts things on Facebook. Like I went to a restaurant and forgot my wallet and they were like, oh, don't worry. Insert name here. We know who you are. You're good for it. And then like, so my friend was reading me this guy's Facebook. I'm like, that is delightful. Like just people being completely obnoxious on it and like bragging. It's great. But, um, I can't, I cannot, I cannot. Okay. So this is another email about social media. I was happy this social media thing came up on your last episode because I've been struggling with something similar. A friend of mine told me that he had a friend I might be interested in dating. He knew that we were both single and ready to mingle. Oh my God. I met someone on Friendster once. Do you guys get how old I am? Like Friendster motherfuckers. I dated a guy. His name was Travis. We met on Friendster in 2003. And we didn't meet on Friendster, but we had a mutual friend from college. And my friend was like, you got to meet my friend Travis. And he turned out to be a total disaster. And I'm like, you know what? I used to think it was like good vetting. Like, oh, have a friend introduce you. But your friends never know what the person is like in real. Like, They don't know what it's like to date that person. Does that make sense? Anyway, um, he said that, okay, a friend of mine told me that he had a friend I might be interested in dating. He said that we have a lot of the same interests and personality traits and told me to look her up online to see for myself, which I did later that night. After casually scrolling her Instagram and Twitter for about 15 minutes, it appeared my friend was correct. I did seem to have a lot in common with this girl. Like a lot. It was creepy, but in a good and exciting way. At one point I thought, holy cow, where has she been all my life? The next day, I went back to dig a little deeper and in doing so started to get annoyed. Not only does she constantly post, but she's one of those people who has captions like, the brand is thriving when she's got a picture that intertwines several of her interests. She's very into pop culture, I am too, but she sometimes posts as if certain actors, shows, movies, etc. create things specifically for her. For instance, a promo photo featuring the cast of Ocean's 8 came out and she retweeted, retweeted it with the caption, oh, wow, fine, guess you want me dead. I mean, I get it. Those ladies are a hoot. But I don't know. I guess I'm conflicted because while I truly love all the reasons behind the content she posts, the content itself can be really intense. I would happily sit and talk to her for hours about the gift that is Kate Blanchett, but I'd never post five tweets in all caps about it, something she did. On the other side of that, I understand that how you talk or act on social media isn't the way you talk or act in real life. There are so many memes, Twitter trends that only really work when written down. Weekend got me like that moment when, so I don't think she'd sit down to watch Ocean's 8 in the theater and audibly say, nothing but respect for my presidents, you know? She'd probably have a normal conversation while waiting for it to begin. Basically, her social media presence is so curated, which is a turnoff to me, but because of that curation, I know that we have a ton in common and that she seems like a cool person underneath it all. She does post about politics and social issues, which is great, but it's with the same intensity. Should I not want to date her because we don't use social media the same way? I've never been with someone who posts like this. Thank you for reading. Long time I seem funner, but please don't say my name. Um... No, of course you should date her. I mean, dating isn't, here's, you know, dating is, that's why you date someone. A date is a fact-finding mission. You know, it's like, it's like uh, Robert Mueller interviewing you. You know, that's a date. You know, he's, you're, you're finding facts. You're both sussing each other out and trying to make it look like you're just having drinks, you know, or coffee or whatever you do. 
Um, I think that, well, first of all, who knows if there's even going to be social media in five years, what it's going to develop into. These things are just so meaningless if you want to make a connection with someone. And I say, go on some dates with her. And if you really like someone, that's going to override their social media presence. Like we can't be so judgmental. And that's the other thing that social media can do is it can just make us like make these snap judgments until we wait for the perfect thing to come along. It's like, no, 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 no. Like when you meet someone out of the blue, you don't know every single thing yet about them that's going to annoy you. But with social media, when we get to see it up front, sometimes like, oh, pass. And it's like, but wait, you could be passing up something great. And also, like, even if it's not about like, oh, my God, what if she's meant to be? It's like, just go on dates and see what that feels like. I mean, just talk to people. You know, you might learn a lot about yourself. You might. It might end up being, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, if you were already dating her and social media was invented and then you saw how she posted, it could be like you're already in love with her. So who cares? It could be one of these things you would find cute about her. You know, maybe it's something you would find I have to, I feel like it's important for me to tell the readers that, well, I think this is a woman. It's a, it's a woman's name, which technically could also be a guy's name, but I'm pretty sure this is a woman. And I just feel like it's important to state that in case anyone's getting mad at like a man is being so judgmental. Um, I feel like it softens it a little bit if it's like, I don't know why, but anyway, I just feel like you could end up being the thing that endears you to her. You know, you could just be like, Oh my God, I fucking hate when she does weekend got me like, but I don't know. Thank God she doesn't say it at home. Like it's just, she's so cute with her little basicness. You know, it's like, who knows? So I say, go on the dates. You really don't know someone until you know them. Um, first of all, I didn't even know oceans eight was a movie. Like, this is how I'm, I'm not even in a bubble, like politically or financially, like I'm out in the world, I'm on the subway, someone peed on my leg, there's a homeless person, I'm reading the news, like I'm in the world. But other than that, I'm in my head. And like, I don't pay a lot of attention to pop culture. Um, I really am only interested in like fashion documentaries and blah, blah, blah. And I also don't consume a ton of pop culture. That's stuff that if my career had gone better, I could technically be <laughs> So I didn't even know about Ocean's 8 and I saw the poster. I'm like, I'm jealous. Why aren't I in that? And so it's like, just, I'm just hopeless. But I'm really sad because people keep telling me that John Mulaney said busy businesswoman in one of his specials or something. And I, I keep asking when, when did he do it? When did he do it? Obviously he didn't steal it from me and I didn't steal it from him. But I've been seeing busy businesswoman like behind the scenes for, I think many years, like maybe five, I don't know. And then I just started seeing it on stage. And so now I'm just like, fuck, like, did someone I know hear it from John Mulaney and then someone I know was saying it? And then, you know how like, well, if you, you might not know this if you're not a performer, but I have friends that aren't performers. Ew, gross. <laughs> and uh, they and I might have our own special language, but sometimes that language finds itself on stage. So it's like, what if one of my friends that I talk about Hallmark movies with said busy businesswoman to me and I thought I made it up. And then they got busy businesswoman from watching John Mulaney. It's like, it's not that I don't love John Mulaney. He's uh, an acquaintance. I went to see Oh Hello on Broadway. I saw it when it was in LA. Um, when we do shows together, I watch his set, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch his comedy special. And he probably say the same thing about me. Like, it's just like, I know he's amazing. I know he's brilliant. And like the biggest thing right now, like I don't need to make myself feel worse and go, why can't I write a joke like that? Like, it's just, it just you got to know comedians. We support each other, but we're not like going out of our way to um, 
remind ourselves that we're uh, not as good. But anyway, I'm just like freaking out because I want to keep saying busy businesswoman. But now I'm like, oh my God, I didn't make that up or I did make it up or John... John and I both had the same, I don't know why he's saying it. I don't think it's in relation to a Hallmark movie, but we both say busy businesswoman. And so since he's more popular, no, he's not. I love you. He is. Millions of people know. Um, I have to drop it. It's just, oh, it just sucks. It just sucks. I mean, it doesn't suck. I'll be fine, but I, it'll be embarrassing. It's like embarrassing when people think Kathleen Madigan thinks I stole um, some of my bits from her. I forget what it is, but it's from my special. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. I'm like, dude, I have never seen your act. Like, I don't mean to be rude. She's, you know, because of women that went before me in comedy, I get to do comedy and I've heard she's genius and I don't doubt it. And I know she is. Um, but I had a bad experience with her on last comic standing, which never aired. Thank God. And, um, I totally forgive her, but like, I was just bummed about it. And then I'd heard years later that she wanted to apologize me to me, but she didn't. And then now I see that she's blocked me on Twitter. And it was like when all that Amy Schumer stuff was going around, like Amy steals jokes. Someone was like, why does no one talk about the fact that Jen Kirkman stole her entire Netflix special? I'm going to die alone from, it was, is it something about not having kids? I don't know what it is. And then someone thought I stole my pubic hair bit from Joe Rogan. I'm like, I've never watched Joe Rogan stand up, but he's not, I'm not his target. He's not my target demo. I'm not his or what, like people, when they turn 40, get great pubic hair sometimes. Like it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. And mine's white, not gray, whatever. Um, okay. In the joke, it's gray, but in real life, it's white. So in real life, it's white. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to look like Billy Idol someday. And then to be funny in the joke, I reversed it to say it was gray. If only it were white, I could be like, I'm punk rock, like Billy Idol. It's funnier when it's self-deprecating. Oh, anyway, mentioning my special just reminded me of a reader who wrote, um, I'm 35 living in New York with my boyfriend of seven years. Both of us are divorced from our former mates. In my case, I married my college boyfriend at 23 when we really should have just dated and lived together for a while, then gone our separate ways. We were married for four years together for seven, but I'm a people pleaser way more so at that time and let myself go along for the ride, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my question. Would love to hear your opinion on checking off the divorced box as opposed to single. Well, you can know my opinion by reading my book. I can barely take care of myself and I know what I'm doing in other lies. I tell myself I talk about this, I think, in both books and in my stand-up special, I'm in a die alone and I feel fine now on Netflix. Or it's always been on Netflix. And it's also for sale as an album on iTunes, $9.99. Okay. Would love to hear your opinion on checking off the divorced box as opposed to single when filling out official paperwork, whether it be at a doctor's office or any other application that asks. My partner and I don't want kids and aren't interested in getting married, at least not in the foreseeable future. Our lives are great. We're committed to one another and don't feel the need to go through the whole BS government and family rigmarole for a variety of reasons. I know I'm a grown ass independent woman and have the ability to check whatever the fuck box I want. Just curious as to your general thoughts, which box you normally check and if you've ever had a brief moment of annoyance, as I have when confronted with the situation, I guess in a way it almost feels like forces me to remember, even for a brief moment, oh yeah, that. Longtime fan of your comedy, listener of the pod, reader of your books. Oh, <laughs> then you've read it. And I'm also teasing. It was just a great way to plug my books. Um, another Jen in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, I'm annoyed by it because, well, first of all, like I understand that like in health insurance, at least in America, it's important to know if you have any dependents or if you're, but that's not the question, you know, married. Okay. 
I don't know why they would need to know that because it actually doesn't have anything to do with the insurance. It's like a form you're filling out about like, what's your address? Where should we bill you? And I feel as though there should be a separate thing like for insurance purposes, but it it doesn't even matter because if you're married and your spouse is on your insurance or you're on your spouse's insurance, that's going to come up when you hand them your insurance and explain to them how you have it. Oh, you have Blue Cross through what? The Writers Guild Union. My job. I pay for it monthly. Oh, it's my husband's insurance. Like, I don't really know the reason if anyone does officially know why. But this is what I was always talking about in my stand-up special. It's like, married means one thing. You are legally bound to another person. Um, The state or the government recognizes you guys. Hang on, I'm really thirsty and I have to take an actual, I'm like sipping water and it's not cutting it. recognizes you as, you know, whatever, financially obligated to each other, blah, blah, blah. Assets have to be split up in a certain way if you get divorced. We know what marriage is. Oh, they live in the same house. They have rings on their fingers. Divorced, we know what that is. Sort of. But what does it mean? Divorced and then married again? Well, in your case, no. But it's like divorced. It's like, but then there's another side of the story. Like, yes, I'm technically divorced. I'm technically, like, it's a, it gets into like, what is time? Like I've been divorced, but I'm not currently suffering from the after effects of it. Like I've also been like, do you know what I mean? You, you wouldn't put like breast cancer. It's like, well, I don't have it anymore. I, and like, it's a bad example. That's like the dumbest example, but it's like single can mean so many things. And when you check that box, it's like, it should be married, unmarried. That's it. Those are the two things. Because you're either married or you're not, right? Those are the two options. And it seems like it has to, single could mean, doesn't mean you're alone or lonely. It could mean you have five boyfriends. It could mean you're 20 years in a partnership that looks just like a marriage, except for the government rigmarole. It could, you know, divorce doesn't mean you're alone. And it's so annoying and I hate it because I just, no one ever explains why I have to do it. And yeah, I check and I go, oh my God, I'm divorced. I totally forgot about that. And then I put single and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, it just bothers me. It makes me fucking crazy. I'm not in a relationship right now, but when I was last year or two years or whatever it was, it was like, but I'm not single. Like, but I am, but I didn't, but I didn't. Also the emergency. So I had, I went to this doctor's appointment right after I got divorced and they were like, but they were doing the paperwork for me. She's like, same address. Yep. Married. I go, Oh no, divorce. She goes, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's totally fine. I was so happy. It was like the best time of my life. Like it was, it was like coming out of the closet to realize like, Oh my God, I'm allowed to end a marriage if I'm not happy. Like it was a rebirth to like, because you don't understand when you're married and you don't want to be, it's just like, sometimes you're just like, fuck it. It's too much of a big deal to get out of it. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. Now his family has to know my family that, you know, it's, it's a lot. So I was like, so I was, she's like, I'm sorry. And I was already in a relationship with the, the person I'd been with on and off for like six years. I was very happy. I was like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, so the emergency contact is different. I was like, oh yeah, it is. And it was like, you know what? I'm just going to put my manager's name because I can put her assistant and I know that between the hours of nine and five, when the doctor is open, that that phone's going to be answered. So if I'm at the doctor's office and some emergency happens, they can call my manager's assistant who has to answer the phone of the company and she'll go, hello, blah, blah. And they'll go, Jen Kirkman. And she'll go, yeah. And they'll go, she's, um, 
having an allergic reaction in our doctor's office and she'll go, Oh, here's all Jen's information or here's the people in her, like they, she can then connect the, because you put emergency contact and it's like, it's not quite the person you would call in an emergency because the doctor's office is only open Monday through Friday, nine to five. So it's like, well, technically on a Saturday, I'd call my boyfriend or I'd call my best friend. But if you're asking who you can call, that's definitely going to answer the fucking phone then call the business, you know? And, and she goes, new emergency contact. I go, Kara. She goes, what is it again? I go, um, Kara, she's my manager. She goes, I'm not judging. I'm like, no, I didn't think you were. And she was like, oh no, no, no. She goes, Kara. I go, yeah. And then she goes relationship. And I said, um, cause I was, she goes, um, significant other something, something. I said, oh, um, I guess other. She goes, well, it's okay. I'm not judging. I go, no, she's my manager. She goes, she literally was trying to pick significant other. I'm like, I'm not divorced because I'm a lesbian who fell in love with a woman named Kara. Not that that would be bad. But yeah, I don't understand why we have to fill out this. Stu- I don't understand why we have to fill out fucking anything. I'm so fucking sick of filling out forms. It's like, no, you, you don't get to have all my info. I mean, the, the doctor is one thing, but. Oh my God. What is all the bitching? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you guys, knowing you're out there listening, it's like my therapy, although it's not because I'm actually in therapy. And that's the thing. Therapy isn't just bitching. Therapy is actually about, you know, getting tools. I mean, if you were at home and you were hanging a picture, would you just start taking your palm and banging the nail into the wall? You'd be like, well, I need a specific tool for this. But you wouldn't be like, I'm so embarrassed that my hand isn't a hammer. I shouldn't have to get a tool. It's like, no, you should have to get a tool. That's why I love that we are sponsored by... Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. You, all you have to do is go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. And you can get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2000 choices and you can message them whenever you need to. So no commutes, no judgments for a special offer for our listeners Talkspace.com slash Jen and use the code Jen and you will get $45 off of your first month. Isn't that great? That's, that's just what therapy is. It's, it's getting something off your chest whenever you need to, and you can, you know, send your therapist a message and talk to them about the everyday challenges you have at work or at home. Just chat about life. Therapy isn't just about like childhood memories and trauma and innermost thoughts. What if you're like, I'm not that deep. It's fine. It's also about practical everyday strategies for stress stress management or stress management and living a happier life. It just means you have a designated person for who you talk to. You have a hammer now. You don't have to keep banging your palm into the wall. They're trained to listen to you and to help you make positive changes. And this is a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. I know you guys have been curious about it. Why don't you do it? Talkspace.com slash Jen and use code Jen, J-E-N, to get $45 off of your first month and to show your support for this show. I know you're like, Jen, I'm not ready to get my head together yet. Well, can you get your mouth together? Because do you know that when it comes to your health, brushing your teeth is one of the most important parts of your day? Do you know this? It's likely you don't brush your teeth for a full two minutes. It's likely you don't change your brush on time or even brush twice a day. And Quip, Q-U-I-P, understands that. That's why they've designed the perfect electric toothbrush. Now, I have a Quip toothbrush. I have many, and I love it. And they're sleek. 
It's a, it's a sleek design. I have a rose gold one and it's really cool. You can stick it on your mirror. You can stick the holder on your mirror and you can put your, your toothbrush in there and the vibrations stop every, every so often. So you know when to switch the quadrant of your mouth and it's a subscription service. They send you the brush heads that you have to replace every three months. They also have their own toothpaste. I'll tell you the whole thing. They want me to say the official things, but I'm just excited because I really use this and it's awesome. I never have to think about toothbrushes or buying toothpaste. I'm never stuck without it. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. Guiding pulses alert you when to switch sides. They make brushing the right amount effortless. It comes with a mount that suctions to your mirror and it unsticks and you can use it as a cover for traveling, whether you're going to the gym or going on a trip. It's a subscription plan that refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. It's backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. And it was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year. Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash fun right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. This is going to save you so much damn money in the long run. You can't believe it. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash fun. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash fun. They're delivered right to your door on schedule. It's the sleekest design you have ever seen for a toothbrush. And it's been called the Apple and Tesla of toothbrushes. Getquip.com slash fun. Okay, y'all, welcome to our new sponsor, Swab. Now, listen to me. Listen to me, everybody. You know that I am someone who cares what their hair looks like. I have those kind of funky blonde highlights, which get very dry and damaged. So here's the thing. I haven't been open to trying new shampoos, okay? But when I travel, if I'm in a city for more than three days, like right now I'm in New York for a month, I won't pack a full-size bottle of shampoo just makes the bag heavier. What if it spills, blah, blah. So when I get to town, I go to the store and I just buy new products. And I'd heard about the new Suave and I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I went and bought the Suave Damage Repair with coconut oil infusion. And I love it. Now it's going to be my regular shampoo. Like, I love it. Because my curling iron, I use one every day or sometimes a flat iron. I do use a hairdryer every day. Obviously, I need to do that, but it causes damage and especially on my little dried out blonde pieces. So I started using Suave Coconut Oil Infusion Shampoo and Conditioner. Suave. It smooths my hair and it makes it look so healthy. You can go to my Instagram and look at me. (laughs) Check me out. Suave actually works, but don't take my word for it. With Suave's money back guarantee, you can try it for yourself. Suave for hair you can believe. I know you're like, wait, don't they just make lotions and... No, it's shampoo and the shampoo is fantastic. So get on board, be like me. You don't have to just get the damage repair. They have all other kinds, but that is the one that I love. Suave coconut oil infusion and it smells freaking fantastic. And it's one of those things that like I get out of the shower and I don't have to like detangle my hair with my brush. It's just already awesome. So suave coconut oil infusion, shampoo and hair conditioner. Suave will give you a money back guarantee it's for hair you can believe. Go get yourself some Suave and tell them Jen Kirkman sent you. It's going to be weird at the counter when you say Jen Kirkman sent you, but 
they'll be like, okay, but just trust me. And if you want, you can take a picture of your hair and you can post it to I seem, uh, to facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast or Twitter at I seem fun podcast and tell me how much better your hair looks. And, uh, we can get back to the advertisers and tell them that people are digging it because I would like to know. Um, I'm a fan. You're a fan. I don't advertise anything on this podcast that I don't use. So do it. Okay. Back to the podcast. Back to live. Sorry. Oh my God. What am I going to talk about? Okay. People are really loving this social media thing. Okay. Um, oh God. See someone. Okay. Here it is. Hi, Jen. I found parts of the social media article so relatable. The fa- Oh wait, I already read, I already read this one. What is wrong with me? Do you think? Seriously, is something wrong with me? Um, okay. Oh, here's someone. So a, 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 I couldn't decide if I was going to say listener or reader, but you're not readers, you're listeners. I mean, you read, but not. Anyway, I, someone wrote in that they don't love sleeping. So this woman wrote, I don't love sleep either. To be clear, I wish we didn't need to sleep. I wish we could stay awake 24-7 to keep experiencing life. I'm turning 24 soon. You got your whole life to experience life. If out of every 24-hour day I had been asleep for eight hours, that means that I've been asleep for eight years. Fuck, that's depressing. If I didn't have to waste my time sleeping, I could have learned Dutch or the violin or at the very least read more books. I think about this a lot. Keep seeming fun. You know what? I'm going to pause it to you. I'm just going to say this. If you're not doing those things now, and I know we all don't have time, then you really don't want to do them. If you were to get those eight years back, is that really what you would do? Or wouldn't you just do more of what you already love? Or wouldn't you just stare at the wall more? I mean, I'm just saying, we think we would do this stuff. It's like me when I go on vacation. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to read. And then I never do. I just like don't even know what I want to do. I'm just restless. And I've read like six books in the last two months just by taking the subway a lot. And it's like, you would never, you know what I mean? It's like, in general, I wouldn't think, oh, at the busiest time of my life when I'm like working a job and doing this and doing that, I read six books. But then you would think, oh, I went on a two-week vacation. I didn't read shit. I'm just saying, I don't know. That's just me. Oh, someone wants me to talk about Roseanne reboot. I don't fucking know. Uh, Maybe I'll do that on another episode. Okay. This guy wants to know if he should be more social. Hi, Jen. I like to think I'm your biggest gay fan, but I certainly hope the LGBTQ community loves you as much as I do. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We've talked about this. I don't know if I have a gay following. I mean, I know I do, but like a big one, like Kathy Griffin style. Do I have to start calling people my gays? I think that's weird. I'm constantly telling people to watch, read, and listen to you so they can fall in love with your comedy just like I have. Well, thank you, my love. I'm writing to you today because I feel that we may be kindred spirits, especially when it comes to enjoying our alone time. I enjoy hopping on a plane and traveling through Europe on my own, doing things on my own schedule, and I feel that I end up meeting more locals when I'm traveling solo. Oh, absolutely. My weekends are similar. After working with and being around people all week, it is not uncommon for me to grab a drink or dinner by myself with nothing but a good book to entertain me. I'm finding, though, that I've started feeling ashamed of my solitude. People say they worry about me, especially after I had a nervous breakdown a couple weeks ago. Well, I can see why they'd worried about you. You know what I mean? You, did, you had a nervous breakdown a couple weeks ago. Um, 
I've had my meds tweaked and upped my therapy schedule, so I keep assuring them I'm fine. I just can't help but feel a bit ashamed of how much I love my solitude. And I'm wondering if, you, if you've ever let peer pressure con you into trying to surround yourself with more people. I date here and there, but the guys seem to be pretty lame here in Seattle. I get tons of offers from guys who are already in relationships who only want me as their side piece, which really isn't my thing. I'm not a complete shut-in. I do get out with friends on occasion. Should I appease my friends and family and make more of an effort to be social, or should I just tell them to fuck off if I'm legitimately fine with how my life is? I think I know your answer, but I thought it would be fun to finally email the podcast and to tell you how much your stand-up books and podcasts have helped me. Thank you. Well, you might be surprised at my answer. First of all, it's nobody's business what you're doing. I know people are worried about you, but it seems as though you're implying that they're not even worried because you had a nervous breakdown and upped your meds. It seems that they're worried that in their minds, the solution to all your problems is being more social. Like if you had a nervous breakdown and you're already on meds, you obviously suffer from some kind of anxiety disorder or psychiatric disorder or whatever, right? So that's its own thing, you know, born this way, whatever. Okay. So there's that. I don't know what the symptoms are or what the ramifications are, but it sounds like as many well-meaning people do, they're worried about you. And then they seem, it sounds like they seem to think they know the solution and that their solution is to be more social. Now that might not be the answer for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, so I think you should just not worry about what they think. And I don't think you should do things because of them. And I don't think you should tell them to fuck off either. I think it's like, if you need to tell white lies now and then and be like, oh yeah, I mean, was your family going to follow up with you? Just be like, I'm totally socializing. You know, um, I do think that it's, you know, you have to really check in and be honest with yourself, you know, get quiet. Even if you don't literally meditate, like sit in a meditative way in the sense of, just sit and think nothing. Just go, I'm just going to give my brain a vacation. Sometimes I do that. You just go like for people who are like, I can't meditate. It's like, yes, you can, but there's a really good way to do it. You just sit in a chair and you go, I'm like, not going to think about anything. I'm just going to give my brain a vacation, which it doesn't do, but you just go, Oh my God. Every time something comes up, go, Oh, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. But then you can ask yourself before, like, Hey, if any feel, you know, almost like a seance, like when you've done a Ouija board, like if there's any spirits out there, come through. Sometimes I'll sit down when I'm not sure how I feel, or I just feel like I haven't felt feelings in a while. And I've just been doing, doing, going, going, I'll sit down and go, Hey, if there's any feelings that want to come up, like now I'm here, I'm available to my feelings. And, um, just go like, I'm just giving my mind a vacation right now. Like I'm on vacation and you know, a thought will come in. You're going to do this. I'm like, totally I'm on vacation. I'll be back in five minutes. Like I just keep doing that. And sometimes it really allows feelings to come up. So I guess what I'm saying is really check in with yourself and, and try to know when, if you're really comfortable with solitude, that's the problem with people like us is that we're so comfortable with it. We can miss out on other things um, because just because you're comfortable with something doesn't mean it's actually making you happy. Like there actually can be feelings that are sneaking in because you are so shut off. Not that you are, but if, if someone is very shut off, even though they're comfortable being that way, it doesn't mean that stuff can't creep in and then explode in a different way later. So for me, I always try to schedule something social a couple times a week just to make sure I'm doing it. Almost the way you would exercise, like just like I have to do it. I might not ever feel like it, but I have to do it. And, but I totally understand, like I get so excited when I hang out with people and it's just cause I get that way. Like I, I am actually very social when I'm doing it, but I don't need to be. And it was like last week, my friend at the last minute 
my friend Brendan was like, Hey, want to grab dinner? He lives in New York. I'm like, totally. We both live in LA normally. So weirdly we're both working on, um, TV shows and have a very similar schedule. So it was like, we grab dinner, we have a drink and I like, I'm just so excitable. Cause it's like, I'm talking to a friend and like when I drink with people, I don't, I'm not mindful about my drinking and I'll like toss back like more wine than I want to. And then I'm out later than I want. And then I have a hangover and I'm like, fuck. Whereas if I'd gone to dinner to unwind after work and sat at the bar alone with a book, I literally would have had one glass and like some dinner, you know, but when I'm socializing, it like gets like, I just, I kind of, it's almost like how I get on stage. Like I go into a zone. I don't know how long I've been up there. I don't know what's happening. It's like, I go into like a very fun, free, freeing, unconscious zone when I'm talking to friends and then the drinking is unconscious. And then this, so a lot of times like that night, I so regret it. I'm like, it was great. I was social, but didn't actually end up helping me in any way. (laughs) I should have actually done my own thing that night. So it's like, I don't know. Listen, I try to socialize a lot. I have people that really love me and care for me and I keep them up to date on my life. And I try to say yes to things. So if someone invites me to a party, I say yes. You know, even if I don't like parties, it's like I go in my own way, you know? Um, is it appropriate for me to go alone to that party? Does that work better for me? Then I will. Do I bring a friend? Do I go and, you know, it's like, I just, it's situation by situation. I'm not one of those people who can't be alone, who's looking for social, but because I'm so comfortable with it, I do make myself socialize. But traveling alone is really, God, you know, I really just, certain types of travel, like maybe lying on a beach in Cabo is more of a social thing, or you bring a romantic partner. But like things like Europe or exploring, I don't know. I just, to me alone is, is, um, what it's all about because you're doing your activities at your pace and you are talking to locals. And so I don't think there's a sadness there, or I think that's really cool. I mean, again, like that was a whole part of my stand up session was like, I'm in this relationship and my boyfriend at the time was, it was the first week of his new job. Like running a television show. You don't go, I'm going to Italy with my girlfriend. Like you, and, and I happen to have already had a pre-planned gig in London that week. And I've always wanted to go to Venice and the flight was paid for to Europe. I'm going to hop on a little other plane and get to Venice. And it was fantastic to go for three days alone. And people were freaking out. I mean, they're still freaking out about it. I'm like, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Like he wouldn't have even liked it anyway. Like it's, it wasn't his thing. And it's like, I don't have to go to Venice with him. I really wanted to go alone. Um, yeah, I have no idea. So I think that you should um, just not worry so much about what other people are saying and just know that they love you. But it does sound a little bit annoying because it sounds like they're saying the solution to all your problems is being social. And, you know, instead of harping on you, then maybe they could actually constructively think of something for you to do. Like a family member could throw you a birthday party or take you to dinner or a friend could come over and watch a movie. Like I, I don't know if they are trying to do that stuff and you're saying no. And if that's the case, then I would, I would definitely try to take contrary action to what you're comfortable doing and just do it, you know, every once in a while. But, um, in general, I think we don't need to tell people to fuck off and we don't need to like worry too much about what they want us to do and do it. But there's a middle ground there where it's like, If people are actually offering for you to do something, you might want to think about doing it. If they're just being judgers, then you can just say, keep it light and polite. Like, thanks for weighing in. Bye, bitch. Okay. Um, what else? What else? Oh, 
I was going to read this article about loud restaurants, but I feel like I'm reading too much. I feel like I'm reading too much. Um, oh my God, I watched, I, I was going to recommend a book. The Zach Posen Netflix documentary is fantastic for anyone who loves fashion and just wants to know about some, like how hard it is to run a business. It's so fantastic. It's really cool. And if anyone was like New York in the nineties, like, you know, just really cool clothes and inspired things. Like he was such a young, I mean, was, is such a young gifted genius. I just loved And I didn't know that his whole family ran his, his, his house as they call it, his fashion house. It's just a really beautiful movie. I really loved it. I think it's called house of Z and it's on Netflix. So I would recommend that. I'm also watching inside British Vogue, which is like a series, but it's like a docu-series and I cannot literally, literally believe that the guy who directed it and seems to be holding the camera or is narrating it is, it's like, why didn't they let a woman do it? Like this guy is so annoying and he's asking questions that are like, it's like watching your uncle interview people about their jobs. He's like in this woman's closet that works at British Vogue. And he's like, how many pairs of jeans do you have? And she's, he, she's like, a lot. And he's like 10, no, he's like six pairs. She's like 80. <laughs> He's like, 80? It's like, she's in fashion, you dumb fuck. She probably gets sent clothes 50 times. You know, it's like, and people in fashion collect things and they get sent things. And like, yeah, I mean, 80 pairs of jeans is a lot. But um, I'm not even in fashion and I probably have like 10, you know, and it's, but it's like some of them I've had for years or whatever. It's just, it was so annoying. I was like, oh my God, you don't know anything. I hate you. I I just, it's, but I'm like hate watching it. So that's what I do with my free time. Um. It's really interesting. Oh my God. Speaking of London, June 22nd, I'm going to be at the Leicester Square Theater Friday, 930 show, just one hour. Come see me. Laugh your face off. I'm pitching a TV show and I'm over there. All the executives from like every network are coming to my show. I got to fucking impress them. I need you guys to come. Even if you've seen me before, some of the stuff you will have heard before. Can you do, can you do me the solid? I don't know what that is. 15 pounds. I tried to keep it as cheap as I could. The theater has to make the price because they are a business. I'm not getting paid for the gig. Just come fucking see it. I mean, I think I'm getting paid a little, but it's not about the money. Okay. Oh my God. I want to read an article about the six Chinese men who survived the Titanic and Frank's dirty jokes um, that they just found in her diary. I'll just read these another time. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just don't feel like answering some of the other things. So, okay. I'm going to talk about um, this great article that I saw on Vox.com about why restaurants are so loud. Um, Okay. My visit... Okay. Here it is. Oh, sorry. Um, When the Line Hotel opened in Washington, D.C. last December... The cocktail bars, gourmet coffee shops, and restaurants that fill its cavernous lobby drew a lot of buzz. Housed in a century-old church, the space was also reputedly beautiful. My first visit in February confirmed that the line was indeed as sleek as my friends and restaurant critics had suggested. There was just one problem. I wanted to leave almost as soon as I walked in. My ears were invaded by a deafening din. I felt like a trapped mouse, tortured with loud sounds for the purposes of an experiment. The noise was so irritating, I asked my husband whether we should go before our drinks arrived. We ended up lingering for about half an hour at the Brothers and Sisters restaurant, straining to hear each other. 
On the way out, I tried to mention the tough acoustics to someone at the restaurant's front desk. I don't think he heard me. This experience is by no means unique. It's become a fixture of dining out in America. That's why, you guys, I can't go to restaurants, barely, unless it's like sitting outside or something because it kills my voice. Like, you have to talk so loud to be heard. And I'm like, why do you need to pump club music into a restaurant? Um, both Zagat, someone said it Zagat. Are they just being a dick? And consumer report surveys have found that excessive noise is the top complaint diners have ahead of service, crowds, or even food issues. The restaurant critic for the Washington Post, Tom Setsima, also told me noise by far is his chief complaint about the restaurants he reviews. I've been harping on this for a decade now. It's a constant, a constant irritation. Um... Oh, they want help reporting on noise pollution. So they say, we'll be following up with more reporting on noise pollution and we want to hear from you. Email your store. Oh, it's about something else. Never mind. Okay. Here's the thing. Loud restaurants aren't just irksome. They're a public health threat, especially for the people who work at regularly or patronize them. Can I? Okay. Especially for the people who work at or regularly patronize them. Being exposed to noise levels above 70 and 80 decibels, which many restaurants boast these days, causes hearing loss over time. This kind of hearing loss is preventable, but it's also irreparable. I've been wondering how we got here and why any well-meaning restaurateur would inflict this pain on his or her patrons. I learned there are a number of reasons, and they mostly have to do with restaurant design trends. In exposing them, I hope restaurateurs will take note. You may be deafening your staff and patrons. One, no one wants to walk into a mausoleum. Everyone I spoke to for this story pointed out that some level of noisiness in restaurants is intentional, and you can thank, recently disgraced, celebrity chef Mario Batali for that. In a great New York Magazine article about loud restaurants, Adam Platt points out that the great noise boom in eateries started to flourish in the late 90s around the time Batali began pumping the music he and his kitchen staff enjoyed working to in the dining room into Babo in New York. Over the next several years, Platt writes, as David Chang and his legions of imitators followed Batali's lead, the front of the house culture was slowly buried in a wall of sound. Batali has explained his penchant for loud restaurants. The women he's molesting can't hear him scream, can't, can't be heard screaming. Um, he feels the sound conveys a sense of vibrancy and urgency, feelings diners associate with eating out in New York. So the raucousness is by design. Today, restaurants still use loud music to achieve that same dynamism. Uh, indeed, quiet restaurants can be as unwelcoming as noisy ones. Remember that awkwardly, silently haunts you've walked into that feel limp where you had little privacy to speak feeling? Speak freely. Oh my God. I can't read out loud. So there's a difference between spirited sound levels and ears on fire screaming over the table, lip reading clamor. And many restaurants fail to strike the right balance. Blah, 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 blah. So this, uh, Washington post restaurant reviewer started carrying around a decibel meter 10 years ago. There's another potential explanation. Good acoustics can be expensive. I was surprised to learn that the first thing restaurateurs think about when planning a new restaurant, but doing acoustics right, it turns out, can be really expensive. You have to hire acoustic consultants or engineers who case the geometry and surfaces of a space to figure out which materials and treatments might create a sound that's pleasing to diners' ears. Like any design and construction project, the more sophisticated you get, the more you drive up the cost. 
Greg Keffer, a partner with the Rockwell Group, an architecture and design firm, has worked on a number of restaurants with good reputations for acoustics, including Union Square Cafe in New York City. Making sure your restaurant doesn't feel or appear like a sound studio means investing in subtle sound-absorbing materials and treatments, which tend to be expensive. Okay, so they're saying, like, you can soundproof it, but, like, you got to hide it behind a plant or something like that. Um, okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to figure out why people do it. Um, upscale restaurants have done away with carpeting, heavy curtains, tablecloths, and plush banquettes gradually over the decade, and people eat at a faster pace, and touches, uh, like, fine dining touches are out of sync with today's cost-conscious things. So I guess all those things used to dull the sound, too. Anyway, I thought this was kind of a cool article. And then the fifth reason is Americans are loud. Whatever, fuck off. How to protect yourself from the noise. Um, They want you to walk around with sound meters. Okay, that's ridiculous. All I'm saying is restaurants are too fucking loud. And what sucks is they're never pumping music that I want to hear. And that's what I worry about Like when I take exercise classes. I'm like, I don't know what this music is and it's making me crazy and I need it to stop. It's not like... I'd love to walk into somewhere and they're always playing slow ride. Like, I love that restaurant, but not everyone likes classic rock or is a a weird eight-year-old who is really into slow ride. You know, it's like, it's always just like, I don't even know what the music is. I I can't. I can't. I also wanted to read an article in The New Yorker about renting a family. It's an industry in Japan. We don't have time. We don't have time to get through all this shit. Oh, my God. People, there's too much to talk about at any given day. I don't, can you even believe oh, there's so much is going on with Trump? I can't even, I don't even talk about politics anymore on here because it just moves too fucking fast. But for anyone who's despondent, just hang in there. Great. Oh, what an inspiration you are, Jen. How would we have done this without you? How would we have done it without you? Without you. How would we have done it without you? Without you. Okay, I'm going to stop singing weirdly. And until next week, have fun.